Welcome to the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Hometown Ticketing is proud to be the exclusive sponsor of the UIAAA Connection Podcast and to provide schools nationwide with the best options for digital ticketing for their events. Visit their website at hometownticketing.com to learn how they can make digital ticketing possible and simple at your school. Thank you to Hometown Ticketing for their exclusive sponsorship of the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the UIAAA Connection. I'm your host, Mark Hutch Hunter. Today, we have a special guest from the NIAAA office, Cherise DeBose, who is the Development, Marketing, and Public Relations Manager for the NIAAA. Cherise, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Let's have you start by mentioning where you grew up, where you went to college, those types of things. Okay. Yeah, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, so all my family is Jamaican, but I grew up in Nashville, um, Tennessee. There, I spent, like I said, all of my life there. So private school was where I attended. Lighthouse Christian was the name of it. Um, It's right outside of Antioch, Tennessee, so like south of um, the International Airport there. Um, I have been there, like I said, forever. So Nashville is home for me. I left there and went to Austin P where I got my bachelor's degree in health and human performance with a concentration in exercise science. My goal was at the time to become a physical therapist, but as anybody knows, the pool that they choose from is very, very small. So I feel like I did a really good job. I graduated undergrad with a 3.9 GPA. So I thought I had, you know, everything going my way and it was going to be an easy, easy ticket there, but it wasn't. Um, So I ended up working for about a year and a half at the downtown YMCA. Um, And then I decided I wanted to go back and get my master's. So I attended Western Kentucky University where I got my uh, master's degree in sports administration and um, a certificate in facility and event management. So did you participate in athletics at high school at all? Yes. So um, share share that experience with our with our listeners. Yeah. So um, one thing that is I think a bunch of people know is when you grow up in a Caribbean household, specifically Jamaica, you have to run track pretty much. So I ran track um, through elementary all the way through middle and high school for it was a track club out of Nashville at the time. So started running around the age of nine um, and then just continued on, but also played every other sport from soccer at the YMCA to swimming at the YMCA. Um, I played middle school basketball, middle school volleyball, played softball with the YMCA. So I definitely was a very active kid um, from middle high school. And uh, yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this, how, this is kind of off the topic. So how long did you live in Kingston? Yeah, not long. I moved to, we moved to South Carolina first and then moved to Nashville uh, after that. So I wasn't even in Kingston for three years. So you have really no memory of living in Jamaica. No, I don't. We, so um, young. Yeah, before I left um, and went to college, we would go back every year. Um, I haven't been back since 2017. I was supposed to go back in 2020, but with the pandemic, obviously that didn't happen. So hoping I can get back um, there before the end of this year. Well, let me ask you this question. 
Yeah. Let me be delicate so I don't ask your age, but being Jamaican, then the obvious question for all of us here in the U.S., and this would have been before your time, but I assume that the, uh, the 88 uh, Jamaican bobsled team in Calgary, mm-hmm. uh, probably still pretty famous down there. So, and of course, you were probably not born then. Yeah. So you no. wouldn't know. But so, so how is it? It's kind of folklore in Jamaica. So explain how that works to the rest of us. Yeah, I think it's just something where the country just wrapped their their uh, support around and, you know, like any other uh, team that comes out of Jamaica, where that's soccer, bobsled, track and field, the, the whole country kind of rallies behind it. Um, so that was, like I said, before me, but I've heard plenty of stories about it. I think for me, the most constant thing that we always hear is about Usain Bolt, of course. So uh-huh. um, my aunt actually worked at the high school um, where he attended. So she knew him very, very well. They still have a really good relationship now. Okay, so that was my next question, and you answered it. So, yeah, the two most famous—well, <clears throat> not the two most famous, but two well-known athletes—the bobsled mm-hmm. team, and then Usain Bolt with. Uh, let me think. It's got to be what three Olympics in a row, gold medals, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, I think it was three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he can go to Jamaica, and pretty much <clears throat> everybody buys him dinner or whatever. I mean, I everybody assume. knows who he is. I mean, he, he drives this really bright gold sports car. So it's pretty, it's hard to miss it when he's in town for sure. Sure. Okay. And you say you get a chance to go back there, but you haven't been back for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I still have my grandparents, a whole bunch of my aunts and cousins still live there. Um, some are in Kingston, some are in Montego Bay and others are in Westmoreland, which is about, um, I think, about two hours north of a common tourist spot, Ocherius. See, because that <clears throat> that shows how, if that's the correct, that shows how dumb I am. Because I I know Kingston, and mm-hmm. I know Montego Bay, but like yeah. probably most people who have never been there, you you wouldn't know any of the other towns in Jamaica. Yeah, so. and Westmoreland, what people don't understand, it's very much like if you were to go to like the country. So my grandma lives like on a farm with cows and horses and goats and all the things. So it's not your like beachfront per se. Um, yeah, so most people wouldn't know um, that side of the island. Well, that's awesome. Let me ask you about some of the mentors you had, maybe some teachers, yeah. coaches, bosses who've inspired you along your track yeah. um, during life. Um, so I went to Western Kentucky, like I said, when I got my master's degree um, to professors, one, um, Evie Oregon, another was Lacey uh, Johnson, really, I feel like molded me into um, the woman I am today, as far as just making sure that I understood the power of my voice and understood how it is to uh, be in leadership and to lead. Um, I was a GA my second year there. Um, My first year, I I was not, but my second year, I was, and they really pushed me to lead in teaching courses, into programming courses, um, and really being that voice for um, the group of students that I was in charge of. So I definitely feel like those two were a very big influence on me. Um, And then Eric Jenkins, who was a track and field uh, head coach at the time at Western Kentucky, he he has now moved on and he is the head coach at UCF in Florida. Um, But he definitely 
I always say he, he, I was terrified of him the first time I stepped into his office when I realized I was going to be working under him. Um, but he definitely pushed me to say, hey, you can do this. So I led all of the operations for the track and field program um, for about two years. And I will say that was probably one of the challenging, but definitely most rewarding um, jobs that I've had. Okay, excellent. So let's talk about you living in Nashville, which once again, I'm geographically challenged, but I'm guessing it's yeah. got to be four hours south of Indianapolis on a good drive. Yeah. So how does how does someone who's living in Nashville decide that they want to apply at the NIAAA uh, for the marketing job? And so explain to our audience how that all worked out. So I went to Western Kentucky, like I said, again, um, to get my master's and NIAAA has a partnership with Western's sports administration program where they teach um, some of the courses there. So one of the professors, um, Dr. Brad Stinnett, was told that they were looking for interns for the 14 con conference, which was in National Harbor. So myself mm -hmm. and um, Keisha were the two interns that were sent um, from Western. So we went and we were interns for that year's conference had a great experience, learned a lot, and then we went back to school. Um, Keisha actually ended up taking a job in Orlando, and I stayed on at Western and worked as the track and field uh, director of operations for two years. And then um, Mike Blackburn reached out to our department just saying, hey, we're looking to hire people. Let us know if anybody's interested. Dr. Sinnott emailed me asking me, hey, you were the intern. What do you think? Like, do you want to apply? And I was like, sure. Like, why not? Wouldn't hurt. Uh, so I applied. I remember I had my interview on a Tuesday and my interview was with Mike Blackburn and Phil Risen. And they were like, OK, we'll get back to you by Friday um, and let you know if we're going to give you the job or not. Um, so by the time I left and got on the interstate to drive back to Nashville or to Kentucky at the time, they had well, it was in, it was in person then. it wasn't. Uh... No, yeah, it was in person. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Perfect. I drove up to Indianapolis uh, for the interview from Kentucky. Um, so they called me on the Friday and was like, hey, we um, want to offer you the position. And I was like, okay, great. So Saturday uh, morning, my, me and my parents drove up to Indy just to see, like, I had to find somewhere to live. Where should I live? You know, how close is it to the office? Um, and so we ended up finding a spot on, the, on that Saturday. I signed a lease that Monday and I moved that following Friday um, because Mike and Phil wanted me to be in before the board meeting that July. So that was actually six years ago. <laughs> so it's just crazy how time has flown, but yeah, that's how I became part of the NAAA team. So July of 2016 is when you, when you first started. So it yeah. hardly seems like it's been six years, but I guess. Yeah. Obviously, it would be. Of course, I'm just yeah. used to seeing you at every national conference. So. Right. <laughs> Let, let's talk for a moment about, from your point of view, being in the national office mm -hmm. and the job of an athletic administrator today. So 2022, how is it different than when you just took over in 2016 with the ADs that you deal with? How do you see it being different, kind of being in the yeah. national office? 
Um, so from my perspective, I'm mostly on the sponsorship side. So I focus more on which companies would benefit our group of ADs. So whichever companies we feel like would align with the same values that we have, you know, wanting to always put the student athlete first, but also pouring into these ADs and making their jobs easier. Um, so from my perspective over the years, I feel like if anything, I wasn't aware of how resilient ADs are, um, this what they are having to take on every day. And obviously over the years, so much has changed. Rules are forever changing. New rules are being implemented that they're all having to adjust to. I mean, the pandemic really just threw, I think, a wrench in everything. And they had to navigate through pretty troubling waters and figure out what was best, not just for um, themselves and their personal families, but for the group of ADs that they serve in their schools. So it definitely changed I feel like from the first time I started to now but I feel like it only helped us as a staff in the office just realize like the people that we get to serve and work with every day are truly special and what they do is just so key and just so important. So if you had to guess how many ADs across this nation and internationally now how many ADs you know by their first name Oh my is it like 500,000, 2,000, 3,000? I mean, I, the, the, the number is really endless. I feel like I always say when I go to the conference every year, it's kind of like a refill of our cup. You know, we do everything throughout the year. And then when we get to the conference, seeing all these people that we work with and work for and seeing their passion for their coworkers they haven't get to see in a year. Um, yeah, I feel like more of them know my name than I know their name. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely, I never thought that I'd have so many ADs that I knew that live in Hawaii or international that call, I mean, you know, we have our call IDs on our office and seeing names like Guam and all these different, you know, country. This It's been really, really cool. So take a moment and reflect on your uh, six years at the NIAAA and maybe just uh, share some memories, some reflection on some of the people you've met, just some of the experiences you've had, because, you know, working in the national office is something that not every one of us is going to be able to do. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you get to meet just some very unique people who are just very passionate about what they do for their school, their county, their city. Um, I can think of my first um, group that came into the office from like Hall of Fame. You know, when you hear of like board of directors, you think these really like stiff people, like they're <laughs> going to be in the boardroom and just wearing their suits. And, and they were like the complete opposite of that, like so friendly, wanting to know who we are, what we do, how they can help us. I'm like, no, we're here, here to pour into you guys. Um, but yeah, I think it's been just a, a great experience of getting to know people from any and everywhere. I mean, we have, like I said, ADs from every state to a lot of countries as well. So just hearing what they're going through, what their questions are for us, how we can you know, implement possibly adding with the leadership training committee and certification um, courses, how we can benefit them. It, it's, it's definitely been, it's been great. And so let me ask you from your perspective, because you've been with the NIAAA for six years. There's a number of athletic directors that have been with the NIAAA for obviously over 30, sometimes close to 40 years. And I know what, <clears throat> I know that you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the NIAAA family. Mm -hmm. And I want your take on that, because when you explain it to other people here in Utah, not athletic directors, they get it. 
but other people about what a great organization this is, both state and nationally, and about the family that you feel. And so I want you to talk about the NIAAA family for a minute and how, how it struck you different because it's probably something different than you had ever experienced in your life with a, a big group. Yeah, I mean, like when like when I came on board, I remember Mike saying that like we really pour into each other, and it's we always say we're small, but we're mighty. We're mighty. We really have a strong group that really is passionate about student based athletics, and just the amount of volunteers that we have, just it's truly phenomenal. It really, really is to to do what we do day in and day out with the support that we have. It is truly nothing but a family. At any point in time, I know I can call anybody in my office or even some ADs that I've grown to love and they would be there for me in a heartbeat. So it's just, it's truly been great. Let's share some of your observations about the, well, I say recent conference, it's probably obviously been a half a year now, but the recent conference in Denver, and how that was different, because obviously we had that year off, Well, we didn't have it off, we had the, the virtual conference, but share some observations about the Denver conference and how you thought maybe it was different than some of the other conferences you'd attended. Yeah, I think even just from an intern to being full-time staff, it's like night and day. <laughs> I mean, putting on a show of the level that we put on with the amount of courses that we offer. Um, my focus mostly is on the exhibit hall, um, but just being able to work with all the vendors. Um, I work with it in partnership with Beth and Biner at the Federation and just getting you know, companies that we feel like would benefit this group is is always special. Um, this year in Denver, number one, it was a new city that we hadn't gone to. So that was already exciting. Um, but on top of that, it was just nice for people to be back in person. I know from a logistics perspective and a planning perspective, we will choose in person any day, then virtual, mm -hmm. um, building out a platform is a lot. Um, and yeah, we definitely will choose to pack up a truck and drive it to any city um, then, then have a virtual conference, but just seeing people just be able to give their buddy a high five and hug them and connect with them after, you know, not being able to do that the year before it, it was very special. Well, let's segue into another question that wasn't on the list that I sent you. So talk about the vendor hall, about how big it is and what, uh, well, what an undertaking it is for you and the rest of the people in the office to put that on, because you've got to have what, three, 400 vendors, maybe 500. I mean, I don't know how many, there's just a lot. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. So we fluctuate year to year between around 250 and 300. Um, depending on the hall size, we've sold out every year that I've been, been a part. Um, the national show is on that same track. We already have a hundred and I think 75 vendors already registered. Um, and the, the hall will definitely sell out again. Um, but yeah, it, it takes a lot to decide on, you know, layout, we work with an amazing company, Fern, or exhibition company, um, and they help to make sure we have all the signage we need. Um, like I said, the layout is right. If any company orders tables and chairs, if they're rigging anything, on top of all the sponsorships that we offer, so making sure that all the sponsorship items are fulfilled, if that's an insert, if that's a speaking opportunity, if a video needs to be shown at opening or closing general sessions, um, any and everything. I mean, the exhibit, I feel like the exhibit hall is for me, such a special time too, because we work so hard throughout the year to make sure these vendors are set up and get what they need. And then we get to, to share it with, you know, all of the ADs to hopefully they can find a company that aligns with something that they're looking for in their school. 
Great answer. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <clears throat> Explain the challenges of working with close to 14,000 NIAAA members and obviously of the 50, 51 state associations and yeah. what that challenge is for you and the rest of the people in the office. Yeah, um, I would say one of our, our biggest challenges is making sure that we're keeping up with the times. <laughs> I mean, things that, that ADs are dealing with every single day is forever changing. And as a national office, we wanna make sure that we are giving that material that's gonna benefit them and that they can take back to their states and to their schools and implement those things in order to be successful for their student athletes. So I think it's keeping up with the changes is the, the main thing and also, for our members to know that even if we don't have a course, it doesn't mean you can't suggest it because we have amazing people that are ready to write and have similar things that they're going through in their schools as well. So I think um, just continuing to keep up with the times um, and make sure that we're providing the best um, information that we can. And so I'm gonna put you on the spot here because okay. I would think keeping up with the times, which obviously is a good thing, yeah, but it's got to be you and and Nellie and Alex and Justin. But when I say the old guard, I don't want to say old, but the, yeah. the older group. <laughs> we're talking Patty now. We're talking Mike. We're talking Phil. Yeah, and, uh, I would guess that they depend on you quite a bit because you younger generation are just on the cutting edge of, of everything, social media and that type of thing. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah, we we do try to keep everybody in the loop as much as we can on things that we hear or things that we that we see posted. Um, Justin, Nellie, myself, and Alex run our social media. So we're constantly seeing things that ADs are tagging us in and things that they are discussing. So we try to do our research as well on making sure that we're keeping up with, with things that they're discussing. But yeah, it definitely is a, a team effort to make sure everybody knows what's what's going on in our in our AD world. So share with our audience any new ideas or best practices uh, from the national office that would help them be a better athletic director. Yeah, I, I would say as much as you can get involved in your state. I know that was one of my two essential things for any new AD, but I'll, I'll say it there. Best practice is definitely get involved with your state, know what's going on, know, you know, what another school is doing to continue to be successful. Um, definitely get involved. Always check in on the NAAA website from a national perspective. We're forever doing workshops and giving out information with different groups that we've partnered with and aligned with with helpful information, um, whether that be trying to figure out, you know, if your student athlete is eligible, you know, um, any health concerns or in any and everything, we have a group in some capacity that could assist. So definitely make sure you're, you're staying plugged in, staying connected, um, specifically with, with the NIAAA. And like I always say, the conference is forever changing. So we're always looking to implement new things, whether that's workshops, breakout sessions, um, any type of networking that's going to benefit the ADs. Allow me to ask a follow-up about the website. Um, of course, I'm there quite often, and a lot of people are, but that new, I guess it's not new anymore, but that news feed out, there's got to be two, three, sometimes four different people on there a day sharing stuff that goes out throughout the nation. So talk about that for a minute. Yeah, the news feed pulls from our social channels. So 
Um, anything that's posted on social media, it also shows up on our news feed um, as far as what we what we publish. So yeah, we do have a calendar that we work with in the office just to make sure that we are keeping up to date with things that are happening on the national level. Um, and sometimes in the states too, we try to repost and give credit where credit's due for people that are winning awards and just doing great things in their states. So yeah, the news feed, I always say, check it out. Make sure you're staying up to date, especially now that we are in June already. So soon the um, registration for this year's conference in um, Nashville is gonna be opening up. So I highly recommend keeping your eye out for that and making sure that you are getting ready to register for that. Nashville, I feel like is gonna be another great year. Um, the Gaylord has some new things and activities that they have added. So I think more families will be attending this year. And I, I just feel like we're going to have another great sold out uh, conference. Well, great comment. Let me just echo that because by the we are recording in June. By the time this airs, the registration will be open. So by the time you hear this, you should have already registered and you should already have got your reservation for your room. <clears throat> Tell us, Sharice, what's the favorite part of your job? Getting to work with the people that I work with, it truly is so special. Um, we get to pour back into people who pour back into others, and there's nothing like that. Um, just getting that opportunity is, is definitely special. Um, and just being able, from my perspective, provide companies that respect and align with student-based athletics and want to see the ADs be successful, whether that be picking out lighting, ticketing, you know, any and everything. We try to align with companies that have that same passion that we have for student-based athletics. All right, well, let's finish up with a couple of questions. One of them you already partially answered. Okay. The question is what two things that are essential for a new AD to pick up? What two pieces of advice you've given us one. So I'll give you a chance to give me one more, or if you want to give me two others, go ahead, but to share yeah. with our audience what that would be. I would say um, outside of getting involved in your state, definitely try to find a committee that you like, whether that's publications, whether that's um, the DEI committee, whatever that looks like for you. Join a committee, get to know people that maybe you wouldn't normally get to know in your own state. Um, they meet several times a year. They meet at the national conference. So definitely try to align and, and, and get close with other people and for a new AD, I always say find a mentor, somebody that has been in the game for a while that can kind of give you that extra push when you need it and also give you just some extra knowledge just to help you to continue to be successful as an athletic director. Thank you. Cherise, what question should I have asked you that I failed to ask you? I think you, you hit, all, hit all of them. <laughs> all right, well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, <clears throat> That brings us to the conclusion of another edition of the UIAAA Connection. Our guest once again has been Cherise DeBose, the Development Marketing and Public Relations Manager for the NIAAA. Thanks for being on the show, Cherise. Thank you so much for having me. For our listeners, we hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the UIAAA Connection. <laughs>